You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for joining us. Today is episode 31, and we're going to talk about streamlining your preschool assessment process. I don't know about you, but sometimes in the classroom when things aren't fitting together right, it brings this uneasy feeling of disorder. Like I can't wrap my brain around how it's supposed to connect and it leaves me feeling like something is just off. Please tell me this isn't just me. This is exactly how I felt when it came to preschool assessments. I remember the time at the beginning of the year, years ago, when I felt this feeling. I was struggling to map out how preschool assessment pieces would fit together. Like I knew I needed some sort of recording sheet to record the data. And I also knew that I wanted to have student portfolios, but how they all connected in the pieces, that was what was missing for me. That's what brought that disorderly feeling. So unfortunately for me, I drive myself completely crazy until I find like almost a map to the problem, if that makes sense. And so that school year at the beginning of the year, I was driving myself crazy. But the good news is I got it done and I figured it out and I mapped it all out and I feel so much better. But the story doesn't end there. Fast forward about five or more years and I am again finding myself having this feeling. This time It's in relation to how much time I was spending on assessing. It just didn't feel right. I would spend weeks and weeks assessing all the things three times a year, but then I lacked the actual time to teach the skills I saw were missing when doing the assessments. So it's just this frustration and this feeling of why am I spending so much time and energy assessing if the results aren't even being used because I don't have time to use them. And this is a pretty familiar feeling for me because I felt it back in first grade as well. But now I have a little bit more freedom to kind of make my own decisions around assessing and data. So that helps me know that I can solve this problem a little bit easier. I know that's not the case for everyone, but I did want to help you go through it into a process that hopefully will kind of help you better see assessments, how the pieces relate together, and maybe how you can make them easier for you. So let's break down this process into three parts. The first section we're going to talk about is goals and standards. The second section, collecting and recording. And then last, we're going to look at using and communicating the results. So in each section, I want to take you through what works for me and leave you with some reflection questions so you can get a process that works best for you in your classroom. So feel free to come back to this episode or pause this episode, take some notes, really kind of think about what is working and what isn't in your own classroom based on these reflection questions. Okay, let's go into the first part of the process here, your goals and standards. So Your learning goals or your state standards are at the center of the assessment process. These goals are what you are working towards helping your students learn by the end of the year. These standards are the exact skills you should be assessing and reporting on. In my state, 
the number of standards was a bit overwhelming. And so I needed to narrow them down to make my data collection realistic. And I have a list of the goals that I use. If you are kind of starting from scratch and don't have a lot of guidance when it comes to what you should be assessing, and you can grab those at the show notes. And we'll talk about that at the very end. But I do have a set of goals that I will gladly share with you if you need some too. But this is the section where we really need to figure out what are we looking for, right? What goals and standards do you use? Do you use state early learning standards? Do you have goals that are given to you by your administration that you must follow? Do you have more goals than you actually collect and report data for? So in my state of Missouri, there are lots of things that we can look for, but not all of them lend themselves to reporting data for. They may be, you know, kind of small little skills, or they may be very hard to assess type of skills. They may, you know, if we assessed all of those things on that list and reported all of those things on that list to our families, they are going to have a hard time with overwhelm. And us assessing it are going to have a hard time with overwhelm, and our students are going to get super burnt out of assessing all those skills. So can you have additions or deletions of which skills you access, assess? Excuse me. So kind of be thinking about what, what kind of power do I have? What can I do? Can I talk to my administration? Can we really look at what are the core skills that we feel are necessary for these kids as they're moving through the year with us? So would simplifying your assessment skills lessen the load on you? That's important too. Would it lessen your students' kind of frustration? And would taking these skills out jeopardize the overall learning experience and end of year goals? So kind of be thinking about it as you're looking at each skill going, okay, does this one really need to be assessed three times a year? Would it jeopardize the overall learning experience for our children? And is this an end of year goal? Because there are things that we do all the time and things that we teach children all the time that we don't actually assess on. So what are those core big ones? That is section one. Then we move to the second task here collecting and recording data. So now that we are more clear on which goals and standards we are using and we decide which skills we want to collect data on, you know, we can really start to figure out how we want to collect and record it. But to be honest, even after narrowing them down, I felt I was assessing a ton of things three times a year. Not that I felt that those end of the year skills didn't need to be assessed. The skills I I had, they were all, I felt very important skills to assess. However, I didn't feel that I needed to assess them three times a year. So that led me to wondering if assessing three times a year, every skill on the list was worth my time. Again, why spend so much time and energy if you don't have time to use the results. That was what I was focused on, was being able to use the results. So this is where I decided to get laser focused on the skills I wanted to assess and teach for each testing period. 
and we test beginning, middle, and end of school year. So I actually created a whole guide around simplifying your assessments, and it's called Cutting Down on the Assessment Time in Preschool Classroom, and you can grab it for free. So it's really talking about how we can just cut down some of those what we need to assess and don't do all of it at the beginning of the year. Choose skills that lend themselves better to the beginning of the year. Focus on those for assessment and for teaching and for being more intentional in the classroom. And then of course, there's a reassessment piece because obviously not all children are going to get it in that first testing period and we can reassess that. But overall, it's going to cut down on how much time we're spending each testing period. So that'll be in the show notes as well. So now that you have a handle on what to assess, you need to decide how you plan to collect data for the goals that you have established. This is where you find out from students what they know in relation to that end of year goal. And since we are a play-based classroom, I like to make assessment time as engaging as possible. I find I get more accurate results that way when they are actually engaged in the task rather than just trying to get it over with. Um, And I wrote actually a whole blog post about how I make assessment engaging, and that link also will be in the show notes so that you can check that out if you would like to. But I want you to think about, do you plan on assessing all the things every testing period? So are you going to test every end of your goal that you would like to test every testing period, whether that's two times a year, three times a year, four times a year, whatever that is? Or you know, could you get more focused and could you really hone in on certain skills for different parts of the year? Will you complete some whole class assessments? Will there be times that you can do that? Um, We generally do do that with uh, self-portraits. I have everybody together at the carpet and I have clipboards and I have crayons and there's also a place for them to show off how they're writing their name at that current period. And so it's all there on the carpet. They've got pencils, crayons, all the things. And um, I allow them to lay on their bellies, get comfortable, move around the room, and they can do that together. And since, you know, a self-portrait is obviously different for each student, this doesn't skew my assessment results. So that's one way that we do a whole class assessment. Or will you do all individual assessments? Um, maybe that's something that is required you know, from your administration. Maybe that's something you feel is more important for you to get a handle on student progress, whatever it is, you know, just kind of be thinking about that. Will you try to make your assessments as play-based as possible? Are you going to try to maybe, maybe you've seen, you know, the friends that come over to the table and just do it real fast just to get it over with so that they can leave and go do something that fills them up more. Are you going to find ways to maybe make that an easier process for them without, you know, having to make all these new assessments, because there are lots of great ways to observe and take in information without planning a whole lot extra on top of it. And all of that is in that blog post at the show notes about making assessment engaging. Um, How will you record the data that you gain during your testing period? Will you have individual student recording sheets? Will you have a class recording sheet just to kind of give you an overview Do you want to do that digitally? Do you want to do that on paper? You know, what are your requirements from your, you know, center or your administration? All those things kind of thinking about what 
do I have to do and what do I have wiggle room on and what works best for me in my classroom. So that is section two, where we are really making decisions on how we want to collect and record the data. And that brings us to the last step in our process, which is using and communicating results. So this last section I feel is the most important because now that you have your data on your students, it's time to use it. Finding discrepancies of a certain skill in all or most of your students may mean that the skill needs to be brought to light again, and of course, probably several more times in a whole group setting. So it's giving you that information that this is more of a class-wide thing and this is something that we can make lessons around, right? We can we can focus on during circle time. We can really do a lot of whole group around that because it's going to benefit most everyone in the class. You can also look at if you're finding just a couple of students struggling with a particular skill. That may mean, you know, we can grab some small group time with those students. So focusing on that skill may be in order. And having just, you know, two, three, four students in a group doing a game, activity, something hands-on, working with them on that skill because they need a little extra practice there, but you didn't see it as a skill that, you know, most of the class or almost all of the class was needing. And then there's also that time when you find that one struggle, one student, excuse me, is struggling with multiple skills. So choosing one skill to focus on at a time. So we have more of a one-on-one approach with this. And if we're seeing kind of that multiple skills and we're really, you know, seeing multiple things we need to work on, focusing on one skill and working with that child one-on-one on on that one skill first is going to probably be your best route. And then figuring out how you want to communicate the results with parents and caregivers. Our preschool uses portfolio-based reporting. So that decision was pretty easy for me, but perhaps you have a certain way you have to, you know, report to parents as well. It might be, you know, it might be a report card looking type of document. It may be having a conference with parents and just talking to them about where their child is. It could be the portfolio route, you know, lots of different things here, but take some time in this section to really be thinking about how you want to use the results from your assessment. Will you have a multi-pronged approach where you are going to look for skills that multiple children need help with and work in small group and then maybe find skills that all of the students need help with and work in whole group and then look at how students are doing individually and if any of them need individual one-on-one help and what will that look like, right? When will that happen? What times of your day do you have where you can slip in those type of skills? Also be looking at if it's a whole group, where can you fit it in in centers? Can you add that skill practice in multiple centers around the room? And what might that look like? You know, how do you plan on going about using those results? Also, just deciding how you want to communicate with parents. Will you also use a multi-prong approach? Will you have like a report card style info sheet? Will you use portfolios? Will you use a conference? Right now we are doing conferences in a portfolio style. So how do you want to communicate those results and how in depth do you want to get with them? All those type of things may have 
maybe decisions that you don't get to make at this point, but just acknowledging kind of where you are. And that helps you see this process as a whole. So let's take a moment just to kind of review all over that and help us kind of just see this as a kind of a flow chart, right? So we're starting with that goal and standards, really looking at what is the meat and potatoes of what we want these kids to learn by the end of the year. And then moving into collecting and recording. How are we going to collect this information? And how often and when and all those nitty gritty parts. And then finally, how are we going to use and communicate the results that we found? So really kind of breaking it into those three steps makes it a little bit easier on the brain to understand that, yes, okay, I can see where I'm starting and where I'm wanting to go. So I'm hoping you found this helpful. This is just how my brain works. So I thought I would share in case it helps you get your head around how to implement assessments as well and kind of streamline them. And if you are looking for the information on the free guide of cutting down your assessment time in the preschool classroom, or you're looking for that blog post that I mentioned as well, you can head over to the show notes. You'll find it at www.lovelycommotion.com slash episode 31. I wish you all a fantastic rest of your week, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely. Thank you.